0: You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning. Welcome again to Grace Community Church. If you're here for the first time, we extend to you a very special welcome. My name is Brad Talley. I'm the teaching elder here at Grace to day's service and keeping with our theme this month about missions and especially highlighting some of the members of our mission team. We'll have another panel this morning after the introduction and uh, um, reading of the the text, the panel will come up. We'll talk a little bit about our church's partnership with other missionaries. Uh, I do want to encourage you to be here for the Sandra McCracken uh, if Carolina wins tonight, it's going to be tough for me to watch Coach K's last game Saturday night. Get that? Uh-huh. <clears throat> but I'm going to do my best to be there. We're doing home group at the game tonight, so there you go. I can do it. If I can do it tonight, I can do it Saturday. Well, I want to ask a question, shift to a little more important sort of a, <laughs> a topic. What really matters to you? What? Check that. What really matters in life? Now that's going to be a different answer for an 18-year-old and an 83-year-old. It'll be different for someone living in Kansas and someone living currently in Mariupol, Ukraine. What really matters in life is going to be answered differently by a Christian and a non-believer. These are extreme options just to get our minds going about what life's most important issues are. But I understand it's difficult to put yourself in in the place of a crisis in your mind. Some of you live there all the time, you know. Oh, it's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. I live there more than I want to live there. But it truly is. Most of us tend to think life's going to be okay. Until until the, the, the tough times come, we're not thinking about them too much. It's difficult to think that we really will get old. I mean, if you're my age, you go to the high school reunion and realize that everybody else there is old, but you somehow have avoided getting old. <laughs> Maybe mental slippage a little bit, but... Uh, yeah. It's not that we don't want to think about the important matters of life. We just don't want to think about them right now. Well, the apostle Paul assumes a posture of total surrender to the Lord in our text. Philippians 4, verses 10 to 23. His expressions of gratitude for the financial support that the Philippian church gave him are intermingled with instructions about what God Expects from his children. And he gives these instructions by way of citing examples in his own life about how the Lord has taken care of him. There's a great deal of encouragement and instruction for us as well in the partnerships that we enjoy with our missionaries. So after the text is read, I'm going to invite Uh, our panel up, and we're going to have just a few minutes talking about some of the stuff that the mission team does on behalf of the church for uh, our missionaries. Uh, So we'll begin, though, with the reading of the text, so I'll ask you, if you would, please stand as God's Word is read. The Apostle Paul, talking to his very dear friends in Philippi. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him, or Christ it says in some of your translation, who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. And we could have stopped right there with the text, but these last three verses of the book... Indicate the close relationship between Paul and his Philippian brothers and sisters. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who were with me greet you. All the saints greet you. Especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you and be seated. I'm going to ask our panel of Drew Hansen, Allison Talley, and Josh Tate to come forward, if you would. And I need to get make sure my I'm asking the right questions. I mean, I'm interested in what you had to have had for dinner last night, but that's not the purpose of being here this morning. So, Drew. You are the newbie on the team or on the platform. You're one of the new, one of new, four new uh, mission team members, actually five, because I'm new this year as well. Uh, so, I, what is your general impression of the of the team?
1: Uh, I would start by saying that this is uh, actually part of the tryout for the team. You have to come up on stage and speak, <laughs> so it's my final, final event, but uh, glad to be a part of the team. <laughs> um, no, from hmm. first impressions, I'd almost, honestly say it's a very. Uh, deliberate and diligent team, uh, very uh, close-knit and in constant communication uh, as opportunities are presented uh, weekly. There's a lot of thought that goes into each uh, decision that's made, a lot of prayer, so uh, it's really been a a great thing to be a part of.
0: Yes, it is a serious-minded group. I mean, we have a lot of fun and cut up, but if we're serious about the work that we do, I'm quite honored to be a part of this team for this year. Um, and I, I don't know that I will continue past this year, but I'm, I'm, I'm loving the time that we're together. What are some of the th- ways that the mission team serves the church, uh, Drew?
1: I'd say that the primary uh, function we have is to maintain a, a close communication with the missionaries uh, wherever they are. Uh, part of this is to encourage them, also to field their prayer requests, any challenges they have, and ult- ultimately to affirm The work that they're doing on the field. Uh, Another piece is through the help of Ricky, kind of tying the home groups to a specific missionary out on the field to really provide ownership of a relationship uh, to the missionary and to uh, really another avenue of connection uh, to the church. And finally, we are uh, responsible for the management of the the mission funds, um, and as much as we would like to be able to honor every request that comes. We know we can't do that. So uh, there's a lot of thought and prayer about diligently dispersing those funds.
0: Yes, which leads right into the next question that I'm going to ask Allison. Uh, You've been on this team for a long time, and the team has decided to take a step back from supporting new missionaries. Now, there may be exceptions if some of our own uh, go out on. But why are we evaluating? Why is it that we have taken a step back and saying, okay, let's see what's working and what's not.
2: Yes, I I think it's a really good opportunity to pause at different times and just to reflect and ask questions. And that's really what we're seeking to do this year in particular ways. Um, We're we're still looking very closely at our three guiding principles that I shared um, a couple of weeks ago when I was on the panel. And they are to firstly support our own And then, secondly, to go deeper as opposed to broader. And thirdly, to support our missionaries after they come off the field into their retirement should they need that support. So we're still looking very closely at those three guiding principles. But some of the questions that we are currently asking are things like, how do we determine the amount of support that goes to particular missionaries? Should a single missionary receive the same amount as a married missionary? Should a single missionary receive the same amount that a family of a couple with maybe five children receives? So we're trying to partner more closely with our missionaries and really determine what their needs are. For example, if there are missionaries that are serving abroad, then what are their travel expenses when they have to come back on furlough to the States? If they have a family of five, that's going to be a lot of money in airfares. So really trying to seek the Lord for wisdom, but also to connect very closely with the missionaries and ascertain what their needs are. And we're reaching out to missionaries and asking them those sorts of questions and also seeking to connect with mission boards to understand what their requirements are. Are their requirements the same for a single missionary as It would be for a married missionary. The other thing that we are considering is ways that we can support our missionaries actually in person. There are opportunities for perhaps some of the mission team members or the elders to be able to go and visit with our missionaries on site and see the work that they're doing and then be able to report back to our church body. The other thing that we are evaluating too is are each of the missionaries that we're supporting uh, their their principles and their um, theology and the mission that they're involved in, are they continuing to support the mission that we have here at Grace? So if we have to discontinue supporting any missionaries, we want to be able to put a plan in place to be able to do that, perhaps over a two- to three-year period where we just cut back incrementally on the support that's given. So it is a season this year of evaluating, of taking some time to really just pause and reflect and ask questions. And we think that's a really healthy thing. And we hope that that will continue to help us to support our missionaries even better and further advance the gospel.
0: Yes. And, and I was thinking as both of you were ta- speaking that's why home group connection is so important. We can't keep up with 16 as closely as we need to, 16 missionaries. So the home groups are a big part of that. Josh, we have a lot of funds set aside for uh, short-term missions as well, and, and we've got the same problem. There's a lot of pressure, a lot of desire for those funds. What are the metrics that we use to evaluate who uh, gets those funds?
3: Yeah, uh, that's a great question, and... Um it we do get a lot of requests we get a lot of requests from both inside and outside for short term opportunities and so we use a lot of the same matrices that we use for full time service missionaries that are considering career missions so a lot of those are the same but one of the one of the key factors is also are they coming from our body are they members of our body um that's really important to us because we want to send send out from our body um another really important um you know Area is: Are they involved in our body? Is is a person who is putting in that request? Are they coming in part of the body on Sunday worship's or, uh, service? Are they part of a home group? Are they engaged in a home group? Are they serving in o- other areas of our church in service? Um, that's really important. Um, you know, another thing is uh, that we we uh, is: Are they getting support from? Uh, other areas. So, are they getting support from other churches or um, you know other individuals directly, um, and that that impacts that decision as well. So, we might have to you know support them more if they're not, or or less you know depending on those factors. Um, you know, we'd love to be able to support everybody. Our, our hearts, I'm telling you, the hearts of these guys and the hearts of our church I know the hearts of you guys. We love to support every request we get, but we just can't. And so we do want to go deeper rather than wider. You've heard that mentioned a lot by Drew and by Allison and by Pastor Brad. And so also wanting to, instead of just $25 here and $30 there, we, part of that is we want to go even deeper with our short-term, just like our desire is to go with the long-term career missionaries.
0: Well, thank you, guys. Any ways that the church can support the mission team? Got any thoughts about that?
1: I think, uh, you know, one very obvious way is continued prayer. As we do work through the the challenges, it's uh, surprisingly tough, you know, to to make those decisions. It Um, is. But as a part of a team, uh, really trusting the Lord to lead uh, those decisions.
0: Well, unless any of you have a boa constrictor story, then I think this uh, panel is... Has concluded. Thank you very much, guys. Appreciate you. Your service to our body and um, serving on the mission team. One of the things that uh, I thought about mentioning, then I thought, nah, I won't do it, but yeah, I will. Uh, we meet once a month on the second Sunday of the month after the second service. And right now our mission team members are providing the meals, but if you've, I've got a really great dish that you would like to provide for our group. Um, I think we could accommodate that. And one thing I do want to mention too, because it's sort of been dribbling out and some of you know, some of you don't, but I think you'll all be glad to hear that Allison is retiring at the end of this school year and she's going to be serving more here at Gracia's. So, I'm very happy about that. Well, I want you to know that I would probably get a lower grade than I would desire in a homiletics class for this sermon. Because the points don't really match up with the title. But it's one of the things that I've seen in scripture is that it is so expansive. And some of you may feel very strongly in this direction. You may think, oh, I think that's a great idea. I've never really been able to understand how preachers can always distill a text into one main idea, because there's a lot going on in almost all of Scripture. So we're going to be seeing about the relationship, the the, the points talking about the relationship between supporting missionary or supporting churches in the missionary, but it only works when there's a high level commitment. To the Lord by all parties. Now, don't be discouraged if you don't feel like you are high level commitment, especially the kind that we've read about in the text today. At this particular point, Paul, even Paul said, I have learned to be content in all situations. So it takes time. Growth as believers develops over time. And so with that, three points of application for our church's role in missionary support from the text beginning with financial support for our missionaries is only the beginning of our involvement with them. It was surprising to me to read commentaries on this text uh, this week. I've, we've preached from Philippians, our, several of our Staff members were preaching from Philippians years ago. I've come back here in four, uh, now and again to this particular, back and forth to this particular text. But in reading the commentaries on this section of Scripture, several of them, well, two or three, sort of had the idea that Paul was chiding the Philippians, like, at last, now you've decided to support me again. Good for you. I don't think that's it at all. I agree with Sinclair Ferguson and so many others who think that this is a beautiful, deep relationship between Paul and the people. In fact, Paul recalled fondly in verses 15 and 16 that the Philippians were the only church members in the entire kingdom that supported him financially. And they had done so from the very beginning days there's no doubt that there was a special bond between supporting church and missionary. On Thursday morning this past week before Joe and Stefania Hunziker headed for the airport to go home to Italy. We shared breakfast together. And they told me about a meeting that they had had with their board of directors recently. And the board asked them, so I know you've got churches all around the world that you're connected with. Are there any churches that are really walking with you through the difficulties of ministry? And they said, you know, it is true. We are connected with a lot of churches, but there's no church quite like Grace Community Church that walks with us in our sorrows as well as our joys. Now, look, I'm not saying this as a point of pride. there's, There's always a temptation, but it's right in keeping with the spirit that Paul wrote to the Philippians how grateful he was. Look, I wish we could have that kind of relationship with all of our missionaries. What what Joe and Stefania said made sense, or it makes sense in view of, of verse 14. It was kind of you to share my trouble. Now, you'll remember from last week, Epaphroditus led a group of men, most likely, who went to visit Paul in Rome. Paul was in prison, and they were taking a love offering to Paul because prisoners, remember, had to care for their own expenses, their own food, clothing. If if it was cold in the winter, they they had to find a coat that they weren't provided for by the state. And so what these guys did in taking this offering to Paul was a bit risky because in that day especially, if you went to visit a Prisoner. In our day, oh, you're in prison ministry? That's awesome. In that day, what are you doing visiting this prisoner? Especially a political prisoner as Paul was. The authorities are like, hmm, keeping an eye on you. So it was risky. Imagine how Paul felt when he sees his brothers coming from Philippi. Of all places, these guys are coming with a love offering. I want to say a word about Philippians 4, 4.13. One of the most misused verses of our day. I can do all things through Christ or through Jesus, through Him who strengthens me. Notice what Paul did not say. I can accomplish all things through Christ or I can be the best version of myself in Jesus. And he certainly didn't mean, I can make the basketball team, I can come in first in the race, I can get a PhD in my field. I know in Christ I can do all things. Beginning in verse 11, Paul said, Hey, thank you for the gift, but in saying thank you, I'm not <laughs> suggesting that you send another offering to me don't i'm not saying you need to send more, more money if i've learned anything over the years it's that god is going to take care of me whether i find myself eating like a king or if i'm hungry and as poor as a church mouse as they say either way i can do all things through christ who strengthens me philippians 4:13 is meant to remind you that god's Pleasure in you is not determined by how successful you are as the world measures success. In fact, if you are barely scraping by, contentment in Jesus is His plan for you. And if you are content in life, then you're way ahead of where most people are. And look, some of us have just as much trouble in abounding as we do in want. Philippians 4.13 would be just as appropriately a reference by the per- person who finishes fourth in a race as the one who finishes first. Now, wouldn't that be an interesting interview? You know, I finished just off the medal stand, but that's okay, I finished fourth place. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I did my best and I'm... Content. The Lord has taught me to be content no matter where I finish. Now, some of the Campbell wrestlers came up to me after the first service. And I, and they said, let's go out back and talk about that. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Actually, one of them said, you know, until this year, I would have never been able to understand that concept. Again, like we talked about last week or two, ambition is Lauded as a great core value that a person can have in a, in our land. But ambition has always been looked on through the ages with suspicion. And this especially so in scripture. So we have, a, we have a far more complicated task than those who are... Because it's a good thing if you do the best you can. It's a good thing if you excel. And excellence is a core value of yours. But keeping it all balanced in our mind, what happens when things are going well and the bottom falls out? Whether it's your fault or not, can you be content? What happens if you're used to getting by on meager fare and then all of a sudden God blesses you with wealth or with the ability to travel or to learn? Can you excel? in abundance, Paul's Paul's saying, it doesn't matter to me. Whatever circumstance I am in, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, this explanation gives me an even greater understanding of how broad broad and deep the gospel is in Scripture and how counterintuitive it is. We cannot earn our salvation. We know that. But we want to earn everything else. What the Lord wants to earn is our trust. He doesn't need to earn that. You know my point. I'm just saying the Lord is calling us to trust Him and to be content in whatever circumstances we're in. Do your best. Absolutely do your best. But life is not always going to work out. And when it doesn't, it doesn't mean you failed. You've only failed if you go around all the time saying, I'm a failure. I just didn't do good enough. God must be disappointed. No. Look, view all of life through the cross. Cross-centered life is what God wants for us. We cannot earn our salvation. We cannot be good enough to win the race. The race That is that matters more than any other. This race of life. And end up where we want to be. At the finish line. But Jesus ran the race for us. And he endured to the end. The sinless son of God went to the cross. Took our sins upon himself. Died in our place. And his victory becomes our victory. When we confess our sins. And believe that Jesus died for us. Then we. Are his. We belong to him. Since the gospel is woven throughout scripture and into our lives. The second point makes sense as well. Our missionary successes are our successes. Jesus said in Matthew 10 41. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet. Will receive a prophet's reward. Give a cup of cold water, you'll receive a reward for doing it. The Bible is full of this sort of truth. We think that one should earn everything he receives. But once again, we see the counterintuitive nature of the gospel all through Scripture. You remember in, G- in, in Matthew 20, Jesus is given the parable of the workers of the vineyard. The master of the house goes out in the morning at 6 a.m. and he hires workers. And then at noon, he hires workers. And then at 5 p.m., and this breaks down in real life because nobody's waiting around at 5 p.m. to be hired. But at 5 p.m., he gets people and they work for one hour. And then the master of the house comes and he gives $50 to this guy that's hired at 5 o'clock. And the ones that are hired at 6 a.m. are like, yeah, baby, what's coming? You know what comes? $50. And they're like... How is this fair? And he's like, friend, are you upset because I'm generous? We agreed on this amount, right? This life doesn't make sense to the world. The gospel is counterintuitive. Paul informed the Philippians that their gifts amounted to a spiritual investment. And he was happy for them because of the return they were going to get on that investment. What we do with our money might be the best indicator, one of the best indicators of the quality of our relationship with the the Lord. Now look, clearly just giving money... Throwing money at stuff or giving money to the church or to whatever. That doesn't, you can't buy a relationship with God. But if this relationship is genuine in your heart and you overflow with a generous spirit, then that means a whole lot in the Lord's eyes. And it means a lot in the eyes of, of everyone around. You don't give your money to be seen. We have to be very careful about that. But, you just know when people are generous. There are givers at heart. I heard someone say, if you'll tell me how a man treats his wife and what he does with his money, then I'll have a pretty good idea about his relationship with Jesus. Now, this assumes, of course, that this is one who has professed faith in Christ and his only hope of salvation is in Jesus. And it's absolutely not foolproof. But it is a good indicator. So, well, more about it in this last point. Let's go to that now. Which is this. As we give sacrificially and cheerfully, God will meet our needs and that will be enough. Now, that is really hard for us to assent to. God will meet my needs. And that will be enough. I'm not going to talk about needs, wants, all of that. The Lord has us in the places that He has us. And if you're very wealthy or you're very not, He wants you to be content. He wants you to be generous. And you don't have to be wealthy to be generous. At the end of the, the letter to the Philippians, Paul commended his friends who had given to him at the cost of their own dreams and desires. Read again Philippians 4, 17 to 20. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek fruit. that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours... According to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now Philippians 4.19 is not as misused, misused as Philippians 4.13. But you should know that this promise was given to believers who were sacrificial givers. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, where we'll spend a lot more time in home group this week. The Apostle Paul gently rebuked the wealthy believers in Corinth because they had not helped meet a need for the poor saints in Jerusalem. And again, we'll go into a little bit of the reasons why in home group. Why they were poor. And it was a worthy cause that they helped these dear brothers and sisters. Where the gospel was first pronounced, proclaimed... Where it was sent from. But the Corinthians were holding out. And Paul talks about these Macedonians who, although they were literally dirt poor, had given well beyond their means. And it was at that time that Paul wrote... To them, to the Corinthians, that the Lord accepts gifts according to our ability, not according to the amount we give. Now look, I believe Romans 12 indicates that some of us have the spiritual gift of giving. And I think you have to have the the spiritual gift of making to, to have that giving at that kind of level. I think he's talking about those who support at a high level. But the way the Lord keeps the books is different from the way we keep the books so that a $10 a month offering if that's all a person can give that counts as much as a $10,000 a month offering in fact i'd just like to say you guys need to back off of the $10,000 gifts every month okay i'm kidding i'm ki- i don't know what you give i don't know what you give but you know what the lord knows exactly who gives what and he takes those offerings And multiplies them if they're given from a sacrificial heart. Now, I say this almost every chance I get when I come to these kinds of texts. But the two most celebrated givers in the New Testament were poor. And as far as we know, they remain relatively poor. The Macedonians, man, you go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you won't believe how Paul brags on these people. And then the widow who gave all that she had, the widow's might. She gave her one day's amount of substance that she had been given by the Jewish council and gave it. So she essentially was fasting for that day. She needed that money to eat. But she gave all that she had. And these two givers, that lady and this group from Macedonia, never got rich as far as I know. And yet we will remember them for all eternity, having been memorialized in God's word. Our financial gifts to the Lord's work are a fragrant offering to the Lord. Because of the heart behind these gifts, the Lord receives them as an acceptable sacrifice that is pleasing to Him. You know, we've had it really good for a while here. And our world will continue as it is with cheap goods coming from overseas and all the food we want in grocery stores. Wait a minute. You've seen some bare shelves in the grocery stores, right? And so what are we doing? I can't believe it! I don't have the name brand. I've got to go with this Walmart brand or something. You know what? We're so incredibly spoiled. But the good life is going to continue for us as long as this war in Ukraine will just wrap up and we can get back to living in relative peace. You have to understand that the peace and prosperity of the last 80 years since World War II, unprecedented, unprecedented in history. Our population has exploded, but now we're talking about since Russia and Ukraine provide. 30% 30% of the world's wheat food shortages. Now, that's not going to bother us too much too soon here. but We have brothers and sisters in Africa that are in big trouble if this keeps going. And you got to realize that maybe we do go back to that peace and prosperity. But don't for a minute believe the idea. We've conquered this. We've conquered that. We're going on. But it's okay, wherever we are. I I say this from never having been in that position, where you're having to scrounge for food. But if our hearts are with the Lord, and we're content, we can endure anything. And He's going to take care of our needs. But you know what? You don't just say, I'll wait till the hard times come, and then I'll... no." We got to work on that. Paul said, I've learned over time, and and the Lord is gracious to remind us that it does no matter how good our lives are, tough times come. We got to deal with ourselves. But if we constantly think, I can do all things, that's not the spirit of this text. The spirit is, Lord's going to take care of me, and my heart is going to be content. No matter what. As believers. We're already in a war. We just don't know it. A war that has been active since the Garden of Eden. Tactics are different here in the States. Than they are in other places. Some of our missionaries are far more aware. Of demonic. Visible. Demonic activity going on in their midst. In places where. The word is not as prominent as it is here for us satan can just say you know it's okay and everything is going to keep going just the way it's always gone that's good enough can you imagine what it's like to be hungry it's hard for me to imagine except when we participate in our quarterly fast here at church which is a, one of the good reasons to do that if you don't do it on your own, do it when the church does it. It counts just as much. That's the this the whole thing about credit and about credit to our eternal accounts because of the gifts that we give, the fruit that increases to our credit is the way that God's plan plays out in our lives. Even if we're hungry at times, God will meet our needs. As we give to kingdom work, which is an investment that yields eternal dividends. And if you're thinking, wow, oh, we're in our 40s. I've never really given like I should to the Lord's work. Start it right now. You know what I've never heard somebody say? "Oh, We started tithing and it just ruined us financially. It just, I've never heard anybody say that. I have heard over and over and over again, we had no idea where the money was going to I, we didn't have money. I mean, we looked at our budget, and it's impossible for us to start giving a tenth of our money to the church. We did it, and don't ask me, I keep the books and i'm I I, I, I don't know how it happened, but we have enough, more than enough. These Philippians were people that would just just couldn't give. Enough. They begged to be a part. Paul's like, no, 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 you don't need to help. And they said, no, please let us, please let us give. And now they're sending this gift to Paul in prison. So, what is it that really matters? I mean, do we prefer decades more of peace and prosperity or to be so given over to serving the Lord with our whole hearts and lives that we learn to be content in all circumstances? It doesn't have to be an either or. It doesn't have to be one or the other. It could be both. Things can keep going relatively peacefully, but the Lord at all times brings things into our lives that remind us that this life is temporary. The blessings of this life come and go, but a relationship with Jesus cannot be replaced in any way by anything that the world has to offer. It's it's best to have our hearts and our senses in a posture that is prepared to serve the Lord no matter what. It's a blessing that we as a church interact with our missionaries at the levels that we do. As you heard earlier in the panel, we desire to be even more closely connected with them. And as we are, We begin to see more clearly what really matters. So, as we go to prayer, ask the Lord to open your heart wide to His work all around the world. And pray for the mission team members who were serving our church by closely connecting with our missionaries and passing that on to the rest of us. Let's pray. Well, Father, Father, um, I confess uh, that this week alone, my heart has been stingy in a lot of different places. So while I have been blessed to be in this text all week, I have also been convicted by this text all week. And it's not just finances, Lord. It's time. It's, it's energy. It's attention. It's focus. I've got lots of things that I'm interested in, and they're not always the things that you want me to focus on. And so it's a gracious thing. When you bring circumstances into my life that cause me to turn my heart once again to Jesus. Lord, give us contentment. The only way we can be content is to trust with all our hearts. And not try to figure everything out. We don't have to have an answer for everything. But we are called to trust. And we pray that you bring us to that place in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you please...